the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I don't know if I've been excited for this interview all week or all my life, but I am delighted to bring to the airwaves of Phoenix Professor Wilford McClay, colloquially known as Bill, but I'm going to call him Wilford for the purposes of this interview so you know what book to be looking for on Amazon or wherever you go to buy books. He has a brand new book out. I, I call it a textbook, except that almost makes it sound too dry. The Land of Hope, An Invitation to the Great American Story. It is a beautiful book. He is a beautiful mind. Professor McClay, thanks for doing the book and thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm a longtime admirer going back to your days uh, with Bill Bill Bennett on the radio. Well, aren't you kind? Get up the crack of dawn. <laughs> when <laughs> yes. I lived in Tennessee. So. You are kind. You <laughs> I was devoted. Kind. You yes. are kind. Well, I have this book, beautiful book, Land of Hope. People ask me all the time, what books do you recommend to teach our children American history? This is it. You got it. It's out this week. Land of Hope. I have marked it up. Can I quote you some words of your own? For the human sure. animal, I love this. For the human animal, meaning is not a luxury. It is a necessity. Without it, we perish. Historical consciousness is to civilized society what memory is to individual identity. I don't need to tell you, Professor McClay, that uh, American history is uh, our worst subject in high school. Graduating seniors basically get about 50%. We have a failing grade with our graduating seniors. People like you, heck, even Ronald Reagan in his farewell address have been warning against this for years. And now we do come to a point in our time, don't we, where we really yeah. struggle with an amnesia of our faith and our country. And, and amnesia is the right word. I mean, it's a, a kind of wanton, uh, except that amnesia is usually involuntary, and this is a wanton uh, and entirely avoidable calamity that we've uh, kind of brought on ourselves by failing to to pass on the knowledge of our past. Uh and uh, some of it is from ideological distortion, uh, but some of it's just sheer neglect, just sheer forgetfulness, sheer uh, absorption in uh, in the present, in all the fascinating gizmos and the passing scene of of today and today and today and today, and and uh, people lose a sense of their rootedness in in a past that uh, that still carries forward with them even if they're not aware of it. Well, that's right. That's that's a good point. It carries forward with them, even if they're not aware of it. But it does make a common language and a common understanding and a common conversation about politics hard. It's hard. For example, I'm a conservative. It's hard for me to talk about the importance of the founding or even if we're talking in law about original intent, if the audience has no clue what the founding was about, what I'm referring to, or thinks the founders were just racists and bigots, right? Right, right. And then, and to, to have that kind of view is 
simply to lack any kind of sense of how, well, for what what the founding was responding to, the human history preceding it that made the kind of solution to the problem of concentrated power and of the fallenness of human nature mm-hmm. and all the other things that the, 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 the framers of the Constitution were taking into account, it makes all of that uh, plausible, makes people aware of what it was they were responding to and, what, and the genius, uh, the incredible genius of their response, which is still with us in the world's longest-lived uh, uh, constitution. Yes, is, or, or what I like to call the second greatest story ever told. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, I'll go with that. No, but, but, but I say that, uh, Professor McClay, in a sense, because um, too many just don't know it or of it. Now, it's easy, and I think we probably both agree, that some of the textbooks that uh, our students read, maybe some of the most popular ones, they happen to be pretty darn tendentious with a narrative that kind of skews, right? But a lot of them just make the story damned boring, and that's a crime, too. I agree. I agree completely. You know what I discovered uh, as I was working on this? I I, I wanted to look peek at what the competition was doing, and... uh, um, you know, there, there, are some pretty, there are some pretty good things out there, including Bill Bennett's books, which are really, really wonderfully done, but, but they're, they're too long right. for some kinds right. of uses. Right. And um, one, of the, one of the kind of proximate goals I had for this was to have it be a useful text for high school students who are preparing to take the AP exam. Perfect. So that, that was – it, 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 it definitely is – a trade book too, a book that any general reader will be interested in. Oh yeah, you could. This is a coffee table book as well. Uh, well it's a it bedside is, it is kind book. of a coffee. It's a beautiful book, yeah, and yeah. I and Encounter deserves the credit for that. My publisher, Encounter Books, uh, they did they did a marvelous job. Well, if and, you judge it by the cover, it's a beautiful book. But also, <laughs> if you judge it by its content, <laughs> we yes, do content yes. and color here, Professor. <laughs> Speaking of a little well, bit of American you know, history, uh, nothing wrong with that. I just, uh, well, you know, I did look at the, the competition, and I have a giant pile of, you know, probably 25 sure. different textbooks from recent times. And, you know, the, the overwhelming sense you get from them is not uh, – I expected to find a lot more ideological. Bias. Yeah, there's not as much um, as you think. It's it, some, it, but it, not it, as it much. It all starts yeah. around 1960, and then right. from 1960 forward, it's, you know, it's, some of them are worse than others. But right. They all are pretty, pretty bad. But, but – but up to that point, the real problem is that they're so poorly written, yeah. and they they don't have a narrative to them. They don't um, they don't have meaning in the sense of that quotation that you you read at the outset. They yeah. don't speak to people. They don't carry them in. They don't draw them in. They don't carry them along. They That's don't right. give them a sense that. First of all, not only is this my story, but it's an interesting. It's story. a darned interesting it, it, story, it, and they make it dull. A, they turn yeah, it into and, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it's it. Look, it is hard uh, to know. I mean, one of the things I say in the introduction is that you know the hardest thing about this was to know what to leave out. Sure. Because you know, the more you know about a subject, the more you feel every little detail oh, has yeah. to be there. And of course, you know, the, the, the reader's going to be completely overwhelmed 
if you put every every relevant detail in it. So you have to be selective. You have to. The way I put it is, you have to exercise triage and yeah. know who to throw out of the lifeboat in yeah. order to keep the lifeboat afloat. And that's a painful process. Uh, but um, but so damn important, you know, so darn yeah. important that you've done yeah. it the right way. Because too many of the textbooks have thrown out too many of the good things. I mean, you know, we we think about what kinds of stories in American history would um, would uh, would in, engage a young mind. And, yeah. you know, the, the history textbooks I've seen, they just kind of gloss over and wipe away the great stories of, say, a Frederick Douglass. My yeah, gosh, what yeah, a fascinating figure that kids Washington, could sink their teeth into. Uh, Washington. Washington stories. Yeah. Incidentally, I'll just, just by way of background, sure. I mean, since the college board is in the news yeah. now with their new uh, way of rigging the SAT test. But um, what really got me uh, thinking about doing this was that in 2014, the college board which does the the advanced placement exams, um, all of them in every subject. They have a monopoly um, on on uh, advanced placement certification. They came out with a revision of the framework for the U.S. history exam, and a number of us saw it and were alarmed. I first heard about it from some of my former students who were high school teachers, and um, it it ended up we we actually a group of us wrote a a letter to the college board. You know, pleading with them to uh, abandon these revisions of the standards because they left out things like the Constitutional yep. Convention. Yep. They, yep. they, the, the, na- the name of James Madison yep. didn't occur in the framework. I mean, this is really serious uh, crimes of omission. So, do you think uh, it's and they did, Do you think it's to their deliberate? credit uh, back off from a lot of that at that time? I think it's a Tactical thing. I don't think they really okay. Good. Um, good. Mean it, but uh, but they did. And uh, the problem is that the textbooks, the three major textbook publishers, were all revised in light of the, the 2014 uh, framework. Sure. Um, and the AP exam, like it or not, is becoming uh, a kind of it, it, it's almost a backdoor version of a national curriculum. Yeah. They, uh, because more and more and more people take it. Uh, there are some municipalities and, and counties in which every student, every graduate student takes it, it's subsidized uh, by uh, yeah, other entities, including indirectly the Gates Foundation. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it's, just, it's just terribly important stuff. And so I got to thinking, you know... Um, Maybe there's a need for another textbook. We're talking to Wilford McClay, Professor Wilford M. McClay, in his brand new book, Land of Hope, an invitation to the great American story. Can't say enough about it. Professor McClay, I'm going to ask you a few things about the book and how you decided to put in what you put in and, and uh, take out, sift out what you had to sift out. But uh, you do an interesting treatment of uh, someone who a lot of textbooks give short shrift to. And I was wondering if you might say a word or two about President Calvin Coolidge. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a great admirer of Coolidge, and I I think um, uh, uh, that he is is underrated, has been ever since uh, the sort of historians of the New Deal sort of took over the account of the of the 20th century and of the 20s, particularly the 1920s. Coolidge was, uh, uh, first of all, he was an incredibly witty man. Uh, You know, I have some stories about that. Uh, There's a story about uh, Coolidge uh, was uh, 
Uh, he was no, notable, known for his uh, taciturn qualities. Uh, he didn't. He was. He wasn't very valuable. He would not he have been a good radio host. He, yeah, that's right. For example, right. a lot of a lot of dead air there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of dead uh, air. Right. <laughs> and he he. Uh, there was a story where a woman uh, was seated next to him at a dinner party and told him that she had bet her friend that she could get at least three words of conversation out of him. To which he responded without looking at her. You lose, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, uh, and there are other stories like that. But he would just kind of—he uh, doesn't get a lot of credit for this wit. But he also was a very profound thinker. He was well educated. He uh, and he gave some speeches that are just remarkable, and that somehow have have not uh, filtered down into. I'm hoping that this book will make a little bit of a difference there. He gave a speech. On the 150th anniversary of the American Revolution in, in 1926, and let me flip here to—I have a, a section of this in the book. Let, let me read this please to your do. listeners. Yeah, then, please. Uh, and he's talking about the Declaration of Independence. Give me a, what page number are you on? I'm going to read along. Page 292. Yeah. Okay. And he says about the Declaration, there is a finality mm. that is exceedingly restful. It is often asserted the world has made a great deal of progress since 1776, how often do we hear that, that we have had new thoughts and new experiences which have given us a great advance over the people of that day, that we may therefore very well discard their conclusions for something more modern. Again, how often do we hear this? Mm -hmm. But that reasoning cannot be applied to this great charter. If all men are created equal, that is final. If they are endowed with inalienable rights, that is final. If governments derive their just powers from the consent of the government, that is final. No advance, no progress can be made beyond these propositions. If anyone wishes to deny their truth or their soundness, the only direction in which he can proceed historically is not forward, but backward, toward the time when there was no equality, no rights of the individual, no rule of the people. Those who wish to proceed in that direction cannot lay claim to progress, they are reactionary. Yes. Their ideas are not more modern, but more ancient than those of the revolutionary fathers. That's beautiful. Isn't that terrific? It is beautiful. How is, how is it we've not heard about this speech before? Um, so I, I, that's one of my many uh, uh, small causes in this book, is to give Coolidge, uh, and of course the economic boom that occurred in his presidency. It began... <laughs> under Harding and, and with uh, Andrew Mellon's uh, policies at the Treasury. But uh, but Coolidge, uh, they spoke of Coolidge prosperity yep. uh, for good reason. Um, oh, it's wonderful. So, I love that. Yeah. Um, tell me, how did you um, how did you decide what to take, what not to put in? As you said in our previous segment, you know, you could have written a, a, a you know, a, a several thousand page book. And blessedly, yeah, you did yeah. not. Uh, this is uh, just in under uh, a little bit over 400 pages and easily readable. Uh, what, what? Let me ask you, let me put it this way. What hurt you the most to take out? Oh, gosh. No, I mean, I, there's a lot of things. I would have liked to have written more about um, the, the years since uh, 1992. I really break off the, the kind of concentrated narrative after the end of the Cold War, mm-hmm. and um, and I think what I do is is a good it's a good way of organizing a history book. I think historians really trip up when they try to come too close to the present and end up 
trying to pretend that they have the kind of yeah. um, distance on the present that none of us can possibly have. And I think that's that's uh, I, uh, there's a number of of recent books that fall into this trap, I think, and of being too present-minded. As if everything, the, whole, the phenomenon of Donald Trump yeah. demands that we reinterpret everything going back to, you know, oh. Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I wanted not only to avoid that myself, but avoid it in my readers. Yeah, um, good. But yeah, I know, look, there's a lot of interesting aspects of social history um, that uh, and uh, cultural history, uh, uh, stories about uh, diplomacy, um, and, and I think you know one of the things that I think has really suffered in in, in history instruction is is a sense of the of the geopolitical dimension yeah. of the life of of a nation. I, a lot of that I had to simplify a great deal. I didn't, you know, military history is there, but it's, uh, you know, the Civil War is, is uh, kind of compressed into a few pages. But you do a great uh, job with it, I want to tell you. You know, well, it's an area I, I, had, I like you know, to study a lot. You know, I was an old Harry Jaffa student. I love that yes, stuff. Yes. And, yeah, and you've done a great job with it. You really did. Well, I've been influenced by reading Jaffa, particularly the Crisis of the House Divided. But, right, uh, right. And understanding Lincoln. But, uh, yeah, one of my friends, uh, uh, John Agresto. Oh, I know John. The, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, the former president of St. John's College. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> read it and he said, "You even make the French and Indian War interesting. Yeah. I didn't think it was possible." <laughs> so, so, but it, some of it, you know, it has to do. You don't let too much detail clutter the picture. And that's right. That's a tricky thing because you don't want to leave out details that are um, that are crucial, even though they may just, they may complicate the narrative. History is not a novel. I mean, and and you. You don't want to pretend that it is, but it is a story, and it is, um, and it can be rendered as a story. So, well, you do you, gr- you do a great job of it, and oh, uh, thank you. You thank know, you. when I, you talk about the story, it reminds me of the biblical language Lincoln used describing yes. about the apples of gold and the frames of silver. That's what you've yes. done here for us, Professor McClay, yeah. and I. Well, I, I, I want to thank you for it. I really want to thank you for it. Very. Well, let very me much. let me say one other thing. Sure. If we have time. I have that, time. Um, and another selective element is, you know, I I settled on the title Land of Hope very early on, and um, in some ways, you know, a lot of people don't write the title until they get to the end. Right. I, I sort of write the, the title before I wrote sure. anything else. Sure. And and uh, that's not quite true, but it's it's largely true. And it really was, I wanted to have the people who read this, particularly young people, recognize the extent to which that the nation that they live in and and uh, and its whole history going going back indeed to Columbus going back to the uh, the earliest exploration of the western hemisphere is based on this idea that we are people who are not willing to settle for the conditions into which we're born, that we have this idea of freedom, Perfect. of the ability to make a new beginning and to pursue our ambitions in a way that the old world, um, with all of its virtues and vices, did not permit. No, and I love it. And the faith. idea of hope is looking to the future. Yeah. What a wonderful way yeah. to conceptualize a study of history. Professor yeah. McClay, I'm up against the break, but God bless you. Land of Hope is the book, folks. Bill, I hope you'll come back soon. I will be delighted to do so whenever you want to have me. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. 
It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.